Bibles tonight, please, to the book of 1 Kings again. 1 Kings, we're going to be in this book for some time on Sunday evenings. 1 Kings chapter number 18. I want to take the time to read the first 16 verses. That's the section that we're going to be covering tonight. And uh, I realize that whenever you start out by reading a long section of Scripture, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, people lapse into a coma of some kind and just, <laughs> uh, you know, want you to hurry up and get to it. Well, I'm not going to hurry up and get to it because this is it. What the Bible says is more important than what I say about the Bible. And uh, we need to take time to read it. I want you to make sure that you've got the picture before we talk about the content of it. So, uh, beginning in verse number 1, And it came to pass, after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Remember now, it hasn't rained during this time. And the Lord said, Go show thyself unto Ahab. I don't know about you, but trying to put myself in his shoes, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding. <laughs> I mean, Ahab is the, is the most wicked king they've ever had, and and he he's going to be angry. I mean, the crops aren't growing, the cattle are dying. You know, the economy's in the tank. He's not happy, and he blames me for it. But notice, and he said, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all of the fountains of water, and unto all of the brooks, peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it, and Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. Now, I think you'll see later that that's more interesting than it seems because I've often, you know, can't help but wonder why didn't he meet Ahab? Now remember, Ahab's the king, but he's gone off by himself. These are desperate times. They're looking for water. Ahab the king goes this way. Obadiah, who is the governor of his house, goes the other way. And it so happened that Elijah met Obadiah instead of the king. Well, God had a reason for that. Notice verse number Seven again, Obadiah was in the way, and behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? He must have been shocked. And he answered him, 
I am, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What if I sin that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. I said this morning that the message tonight had to do with the subject of working together. And the Bible is very clear about the fact that we Christians need one another. That's the purpose of the Lord's church, by the way, because we need the church and the church needs us. We need each other. The problem is that some folks either, they either refuse or, or they don't know how to work with others. There might be, might be several reasons for that, by the way, but one of the chief reasons why people do not work well together is because of the faults or the perceived faults of other people. But if we're going to succeed, we have to learn to cooperate even when our conditions are less than ideal. And that's what we see in this story here tonight. Now, I want you, first of all, to notice the contrast here. We have two men in the picture. The story's about these two men, Elijah and Obadiah. And there's a contrast. There's a contrast in their personalities. And after 52 years of preaching, let me tell you that most church problems arise from, from personality matters more than anything else. It's usually not, you know, not some big doctrinal issue that the pastor has denied the virgin birth of Christ or the resurrection of Christ. It's like one deacon told me one time he stood up in the congregation and said, you are the best preacher we've ever had, but we don't like your personality. <laughs> now, he didn't like my personality because I'd just taken his taking his daughter off of the off of the piano told her I told her she was up there you know and anyway I, she made a remark and I said you're done you're through take your seat I'll find somebody else to play and things blew up well I'm glad that the majority didn't feel like he did or at least they tolerated me better than he did 
you know, whatever the case might be, I don't know. I really, I felt like saying, and you know this is a good time for me to tell you, I really don't like your personality. And I could have added some other things that were really personal about this guy, but, but anyway, I didn't. And, uh, but it was a matter of personality, and, and that's oftentimes the way that it is. And here we see Elijah here. Now, get the picture. Elijah is someone that is bold, loud, adventurous, courageous. On the other hand, you have Obadiah. And from what we read, he is a, he's quiet, he's meek, he's timid, and he's obviously fearful from what we've just read here. But this reminds us that God uses different vessels for different jobs. And we make a serious mistake whenever we assume that everybody ought to be just like us. And the fact of the matter is, none of us are perfect, you see. I mean, if God can use you with your imperfections, then God can use others with their imperfections. I'm not trying to win a personality contest. I, You know, uh, naturally, uh, you know, I, I want people to like me, and I don't want to be rude and so forth, but uh, but that that's not my main goal. My main goal is to preach the truth in love the best that I can, and sometimes you got to be bold enough to get the point across to people, and and some people don't like that. But but all of us have different personalities, and it's amazing how nitpicking we can get when it you know when it comes to our petty differences. You'd, you'd, you'd be shocked how upset some people would get if I expressed what publicly from what I felt about their particular team. We got some diehard fans of some teams that I wouldn't have nothing to do with, I'll tell you. And I'm not going to drag all of that in the pulpit, but I'm just telling you that if I was dumb enough to do that, we could have some problems because, you know, that's a serious thing for them. And there's a lot of other issues we can talk about. But but a lot of times, because of those differences, people refuse to work together. But not only is there a, a contrast in their personalities, there's a contrast in their places. Now, Elijah is the outdoors type. He likes the freedom to roam. I mean, he's going from place to place, living outdoors and sleeping under the stars at night. And here's Obadiah, on the other hand, and he's serving within the palace under the watchful eye of a wicked king. Now, that tells you a lot about Obadiah. Evidently, he was trustworthy because of the fact that the king had given him this exalted position as the governor of his house. And by the way, there was a big difference between Ahab and Obadiah. Ahab worshipped Baal, whereas Obadiah worshipped Jehovah. And, and I, as I read through this, I had to wonder, well, why would Ahab put somebody that worships Jehovah in a position like that? And I think it's because he saw the advantage of having a man with such integrity in his court. He knew that he could trust this man. And, and I don't think we ought to think of Obadiah as being a compromiser just because he's employed by the government. A good man can work 
for a bad government. And that's what we see here. He can be true to God and at the same time be, you know, faithful and dedicated to, uh, to his employer. And that's what's going on here. The point is we need to consider the circumstances of other people, not just their personalities, but their circumstances. We all come from different places. We're in different places. And it might be that, you know, that you're in a situation to where you can spend a lot of time here at the church working, doing things that need to be done that other people can't. And you might look at somebody else and think to yourself, you know, I'm up here doing this and I'm up here doing that. And, and uh, you know, that's well and good. But you might think, well, so-and-so doesn't love the Lord as much as I do. They don't love the church as much as I do. They're, why aren't they here to help me? Have you ever stopped to think maybe that person you're criticizing Maybe it's some man who, you know, not able to make all of the men's fellowship meetings, not, maybe not even able to be here on Sunday night and may not be able to be here when we have a work day and all of that. Have you ever stopped to think it just might be he's trying to keep his marriage together? You don't know the details. You don't know what he's going through. And, I mean, his marriage is tottering on the breaking point and he knows his children are going to be affected and he's doing the best that he can. And he devotes as much time as he can to church work, but he knows he's got to give so much attention to his family. He doesn't have an understanding wife like, you know, most of us do. So he's not able to do what you're able to do. Or it might be a health problem. A health problem you don't know anything about and he's not going to tell you about it. I, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me, Brother Stone, would you pray for me? I've got, I've got this physical ailment, but I'd really rather you didn't tell anyone about it. And I've often wondered, well, why? You know, what difference does it make? I mean, people, uh, you know, people be glad to pray for that for some reason, if they've got, you know, whether it's a disease or some kind of a health issue, they, they just don't want other people to know about it. And that's their business. But we need to keep in mind, we don't know what's going on in the lives of other people. And because of that, we've got to be careful that we're not so quick to judge others. And I think there's some of that going on here when we really look deeply into this story here. Because, uh, you know, we got some banter going back and forth between these two guys. And Elijah is wondering, you know, why he is so reluctant to go Tell Ahab Elijah's here, and and on the other hand, uh, on the other hand, um, Obadiah is—you know—he's not just all in for this suggestion. So there's a difference then in their personalities, in their places. There's a difference in their perspective. Elijah is thinking that Obadiah—he just lacks the courage. He needs to man up. He. You know, he, he just lacks courage. If he was as brave as I was, you know, he would march right down there and, and, and confront the king. I, I kind of get the impression that's maybe what Elijah thought about Obadiah. On the other hand, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it that Obadiah thought Elijah was some hotshot showman. Did you notice there in verses 9, 10, 11, and 12 what happened? 
he, he said, you want me to go tell Ahab that you're here? Don't you understand? He has searched throughout every nation, every country, every city. He's been looking everywhere for you. In fact, whenever people say that, you know, they haven't seen you, they don't know where you're at, you know, they, uh, under oath, he requires that of them. And he said, if I go tell Ahab you're here and you don't show up, the Spirit comes along and moves you somewhere else and you're not there for the appointment, you know what's going to happen? He's going to kill me. Haven't you heard what I did? I hid a hundred prophets and fed them with bread and water when Ahab's wife Jezebel was killing them. And now you're, you're wanting to go demonstrate your great power and, and, and as a result of that, you know, put a feather in your cap. I, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm just trying to read between the lines and, you know, get a, get a handle on what he's thinking here. But he, he's saying, if I do that, I really, I don't think you're going to show up for the meeting. Pretty serious stuff when you make an appointment with the king and then you don't show up. The point is, folks, is that we all tend to see things differently. You know, it's kind of like the story of the elephant that you've all heard, and I won't go into that. All of the blind men, you know, touching the elephant, and each one gets a different impression as to what an elephant is like. We all have a different perspective, but the point is we need to be respectful of one another, even those that we disagree with. We need to at least to be respectful of them. That's so very important. Just because we're right doesn't give us the right to be rude. You'd be amazed how far respect will go to get people to cooperate in what you're trying to achieve. So here we see these guys with this contrast. They're totally different. One, you know, somebody would say, yeah, he's a mama's boy, whereas Elijah, on the other hand, man, that, that dude's a Texan. He, he, he's a deer hunter. He, go, he lives out in the wild. and That's my kind of man. He's a rough and rugged man. They're different. And we're all different. But at least we can be respectful of each other. Now, even with this contrast between the two, their differences, we see there's some commonalities here also. And this is where the emphasis needs to be. Number one, the first commonality they had is that each had a job to do. Obadiah saved a hundred prophets there in verse number four. If you don't think that's a big deal, I'll bet you those hundred prophets were thankful for him being in the palace, don't you? To know that somebody cared enough about us that when Jezebel was on her rampage killing us, this guy took us and hid us in caves and not only hid us, but brought us bread and water, took care of us. That was an important job to do. On the other hand, Elijah was sent to challenge the nation. And boy, we're going to see that later on next week. One, 
is ministering to those prophets. The other has to challenge the nations. So each one has a job to do, and each one needed the other. Think about that. That That's not, you know, just on the surface maybe, obviously, but in reality, it's true. They needed each other. For example, Obadiah needed rain. If the crops aren't growing and the cattle are dying, it's just a matter of time till people start dying. Obadiah is going to be adversely affected. Obadiah needed rain. Elijah needed an interview with the king. You don't just strut up to the king and say, I thought I'd come and see you today. I know I didn't have an appointment. No, look, that would have been an automatic execution in those days. And so God arranges everything in such a way that these men became important to one another. And the same thing can be said about every one of us, that we become important to one another. We need to... We need to see the need of cooperating one with the other. And the problem is so many times, you know, we want to magnify our differences and we forget about what is most important. The common cause of serving Christ should compel us to cooperate with each other. There's a verse over in Philippians chapter number 1 that that really hits home when it comes to the Lord's church. And Paul says to the church at Philippi, verse 27, only let your conversation, that is your manner of life, your behavior, your deportment, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, now get this, that I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He is emphasizing to them it is absolutely essential that you folks work together. And in the very first part of chapter number 4, he deals with some differences that's going on between some women in the church. They're having a church spat. They could lead to serious problems, and he begins to deal with that. We must never let anything overshadow the fact that serving Christ is more important than anything else, and because of that, that we're willing to work together with one another. You know, our personalities might be different. We might come from different places. We might have a different perspective on things, but that's okay. You know, somebody running, let's say, a multi-million dollar corporation and, you know, they have their board of directors and so they get together to have their skull sessions and to think things out about what they ought to do. And so the head honcho goes in and sits down and, and remember, he's the one that set all of this up. And as a result of that, you know, he gets credit for a lot of success. But he throws out some idea, it might be some problem that the company is facing and, you know, what are we going to do about this? Let me tell you what he doesn't need. And if he's wise, he knows this. He doesn't need a bunch of yes men just trying to please the boss to say, oh, yeah, man, that sounds like a great idea when it's not. 
Whenever we have a men's meeting, it might be a men's meeting or a trustee meeting or a deacon meeting, and we raise some issue, I want everybody to feel comfortable in, in talking about their perspective on different issues. If I, look, if, if, I, if I didn't want your perspective on it, I wouldn't ask you for it. I mean, I'd have enough sense to know if I don't want to hear your opinion about something, I'd be stupid to ask you for it because then i got to tell you why I'm against it and that creates a problem. But I don't want somebody to agree with me just because, you know, it's me. I think you ought to respect your pastor. Of course I do. But I wouldn't want you to agree with me just because it's me. If I, uh, Hey, I've come up with some bad ideas before. I'll probably come up with some more. There's not anything wrong with Christian people being able to discuss their differences. We've got to keep in mind that the Lord's work is more important than whether we get our way in a matter. That's why I've often said in regards to the Lord's church, you know, whenever we vote on something, and, and I love the fact that nearly every vote we have, as far back as I can remember, is a unanimous vote. Everybody is for it, even though I'm sure there are some that have got some questions about it. They go along, you know, with the majority of the church. And since it's not some big doctrinal issue or anything, that's the way it ought to be. You know, if we were going to paint this auditorium, and I've used this illustration many times, if we're going to paint this auditorium, we have a discussion, and we say, okay, we're going to get the ladies in on this because they're a lot smarter about decorating than we are, and we want to paint the auditorium. Uh, what color are we going to paint it, you know, or are we going to use some patterns or what? What are we going to do? So we gather up all of these ideas, and finally somebody says, you know what I think would be cute? I think if we painted this side over here all pink and green polka dots and that side over there all green and yellow stripes or, you know, something really wild like that. Now, I'm going to tell you, I would say in no uncertain terms, I've never seen a church like that and I really don't think that would be attractive. I don't think that would be the best thing to do. But if the church as a whole is insistent... This is the way that we want. There's, a, there's nothing unscriptural about it. And so the church, I'm the only dissenting vote. So we're going to have a work day. Now, I used to say I'd show up with a paintbrush in my hand and help you paint and help you get the job done. But anymore, I, you know, I, I, I don't have as much energy as I used to. But if I could, I would. And I, I would come and help. I surely wouldn't oppose it. Look, if it's not a scriptural issue, we ought to all get together on the same page and work together because God's work is too important for us to let these differences divide us when it has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches whatsoever. Now, there's another commonality here. Not only did they each one have a job to do, not only did each one need the other one, but each one was ser serious about serving God. Notice in verse 3 and verse number 12, in two times it says that Obadiah feared the Lord. Now, we don't talk a whole lot today about fearing God like we should, but fearing God is absolutely essential to us having a right relationship with God. Notice in verse 12 the reason. Notice it says... I have feared the Lord, notice he says, from my youth. 
The name Obadiah means servant of Jehovah. Now keep this in mind that this that his parents evidently must have been godly people to give him a name like that because that was during the reign of Omri that we've already talked about. Who This is Ahab's father who had been the most wicked king ever. And so they have a baby and they say, you know, what are we going to name this boy? And they agree that we'll name him the servant of Jehovah. Wow, that wouldn't put them in good graces with the king, I wouldn't think. And that surely must have impacted his life, don't you think? That my parents named me the servant of Jehovah. And now he says, I fear the Lord greatly. This is a reminder that we need to teach our children to fear God. And let me tell you, the best way to do that is for them to see the fear of God in us. And that's not what most kids are seeing today. You know, they, they need to say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't always agree with mom and dad, but I'll tell you, they were God-fearing people. Here's another commonality. They both risk their lives for the sake of serving God. Let that sink in for a minute. Can you imagine Elijah marching up to the king and having an interview with him? After he is the one responsible for, you know, in in Ahab's mind, for not having any rain for three and a half years. It's a dangerous thing to do. And on the other hand, here's Obadiah taking this risk as he's looking at it by setting up the appointment with the king and with Elijah. If Elijah doesn't show up, well, Obadiah knows it's going to be my head. I, I, I'm going to die. And yet, knowing that, he risked his life. Brother Kenneth and I was talking this morning after the service, and and uh, he, he brought up a really good point. You know, I oftentimes talk about the safest place in the world is in the center of God's will. And I believe that and it's true. I know that that's the safest place in the world. But as we were talking, Brother Kenneth said, and yet, and yet in another way, it's the most dangerous He was talking about the fact that I mentioned that we are never excused from duty because it's dangerous or because it's difficult. Whenever the Lord sent His apostles out, He sent them right into the teeth of opposition. He knew they would be persecuted. He told them they would be persecuted. And He sent them anyway knowing that. So there is an element of danger of what, you know, looking at it from the human standpoint that we might call risk when it comes to serving God. But serving God ought to be that important to us that whatever the cost, because let me tell you, whatever the cost of serving God might be, it's not as much as the consequences of not serving God. That's when it really gets costly. And then lastly, we see their cooperation. 
and it resulted in success. Ahab went to meet Elijah. You, you know, I guess uh, I guess it was a surprising thing, you know, to Ahab to hear that Elijah, that he's been looking for all of this time, is now there without him even looking for him. I mean, he searched everywhere, and he can't find this guy, and it's like, wow, he just shows up on my doorstep. And the bottom line, folks, is if we as a church are going to be successful, we have to learn to work together. And the New Testament devotes a large portion, especially of Paul's letters, to teaching us how to relate one to another. As most of you know and and been here for any length of time, you know, I gone through a quite long series on all of the one another's found in the New Testament. How we relate one to another, it's so very crucial. The problem is some people don't pay any attention to that at all. I, looking back, and I'm going to say that by the grace of God, I absolutely don't know of I don't know of any any members that we have when we have our deacon meeting, trustee meetings, and so forth. We don't have anyone like this today. But we have in the past had a few members that when we had a meeting, they felt that they had a, they had a divine anointing and a responsibility to make sure that they brought up some negative side of an issue. Now, a lot of times they do that because they want you to think they're smarter than you are and they got a better idea. So regardless of what the issue is or what everybody else says about it, they're going to say something negative. And all I can say about that is this. I'm just glad they're not here. We don't, we don't need that kind of nonsense. We've got to work together. We, you know, we think, think about the team concept. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago about the importance of playing our position. Whatever it is, every position is important. And so we've got to play our position. And it doesn't do us any good to stand out there on the field of service barking orders at somebody else over there because we don't like the way they're doing their job. All that does is discourage them and distract us from what we ought to be doing. We need to come together as a team and stay together. Don't let anything pull us apart. Learning to work together. Let me tell you right now, if you don't do that in your marriage, it'll soon fall apart. You know, this old idea that, you know, I'm, I'm the man of the house and I'm the boss and we're going, to do, we're going to do everything exactly like I want it done. And whenever I started preaching, that was about the attitude I had. You know, back then it wasn't none of her business what was in the checkbook. Was, you know, I take care of that. I take care of the money. This is how much money you got to spend. And if we was going to do something, well, you know, I just barked out the order. Okay, this is what we're going to do. And, and didn't ask her for her opinion. God helped me to see that that was really a stupid idea. 
And over time, you begin to realize, you know, that sometimes your wife is smarter than you are on some issues, and you're pretty dumb to just ignore her wisdom because you want to get your way. Work together. That's, you know, that, that's the way it ought to be. The husband and the wife, you know, they, they too, they become one flesh, the Bible says. And when we think about the church, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, the church is a body and every member, you know, God has set every member in the body. We all do different things, but we're all working for the same thing. So let us be devoted to the work that God's given us to do as an individual. You know, if, uh, if you've got a particular job in the church, when, which we appreciate, don't try to tell somebody else how they ought to do their job. You know, that's their business. You say, yeah, but I think, you know, it could be better if you did it this way or you did it that way. You might be right and you might be wrong. But if that's the person that God put there, if it's not unscriptural, just leave it alone. We, look, we don't have to correct every little issue in the church. If we try to do that, after a while, all we're going to do is be fussing and fighting and never getting anything done. I can remember years ago, and, and you'd, have to, you'd have to know where I'm coming from. The churches in Tennessee and Kentucky and that area especially, some of those other southern churches and what have you that were just emphatic about, we've got to have a business meeting at an appointed time every month we can't miss it we got even if we don't have any business you know we're going to have a business meeting we'll get robert's rules of order out and we'll go through the process and everything and we'll ask if there's any new business any old business and so you know what happened they always end up in a fuss about something that didn't amount to a hill of beans and so they get in a fuss about it. we have business meetings whenever we've got business otherwise we don't have a business meeting we have one that is by designation, that is a corporation, that is our responsibility in maintaining our good standings, that we have an annual business meeting, and we have that in January every year. And whenever we do, we deal with the business at hand. We're not looking for reasons to argue with one another. Those churches I'm talking about back then, I mean, if you wanted to buy... If you wanted to buy uh, some toilet paper, you know, if if, you're, you, you, if you said, well, look, I think uh, we'll just go down and get a whole case of it to be more economical to do that than to go get three or four rolls at a time. Well, have we voted on that? Really? We, we got to vote on something like that? That's one reason that we, we work off of a budget. And every year I try to explain this because we're not a business like the business, corporate business world. So our, whenever we talk about a budget, it doesn't mean the same thing they mean by a budget. You know, whenever they set a budget, you've got X amount of dollars to spend on, you know, whatever the particular project is. That's not what we mean. What we mean is if we have a budget and we designate so much to the music ministry that Tim can spend that much money without bringing up anything before the church. We don't have to have another business meeting to discuss something. He's got that much money. That's what he thinks he'll need. Now, if he needs more than that, you know, we can vote on that or we can take up an offering and cover the need. But we do that in order to 
keep from raising issues that will create debate and strife in the church. And God help us to, to not get so caught up in the little petty stuff that we spend more time arguing than we do working together. I, I don't even know how to end this message. I guess the best way to end is stop, right? But let's all stand, and I'm going to have Tim to come and you, 286. God might be dealing with your heart about something totally, totally unrelated to anything I've said tonight. By the way, He has a way of doing that. I've noticed that. And uh, you need to act on that. Because if God wanted you to deal with it a month from now, He would wait until a month from now to convict your heart. Heavenly Father, we just pray now that Your will will be done in this service. We do pray that You'll speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to not get into the frame of mind to where we where we're rude and intolerant of one another, but help us, Lord, to, to do that which is right in your sight and even to do it with boldness and yet to do it with love and, and tolerance one for another. Lord, we know that if we just love each other as we ought to, it'd take care of all of those little petty issues. Help us to do that. And we know it's only by the strength of your Holy Spirit that we're able to do what you've called us to do. So we ask you tonight to enable us, enable us, dear Lord, to do as we should. In Jesus' name, as we stand and sing together.